and excited that you guys have found each other. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you, bless your life. And this is the most amazing sign, one of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's most amazing signs. And we should really think about it and know, what you, with all the ups and downs, what amazing signs Allah has given us. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It is your sister and friend Adar, and you're listening to the Digital Sisterhood Podcast. For episode two of Love Timber, I want to take you guys back. I mean, way, way back. I mean, all the way to season one. Do you guys remember? It was an episode called There Was Always Hope for Love. In that episode, we met the one and only Asma Hussein. Round of applause for her, please. And she took us through her beautiful yet heartbreaking love story with her late husband, Amr. After enduring the grief of her husband and finding herself widowed, Asma never lost sight of what she deserved to have. I mean, that's why we resonated with her so much. Now, after two years, she's back in the stew to share what her life looks like now. I met somebody in 2021. Uh, We talked for a couple of months. Um, So yeah, September 2021, I got married. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I feel like I need to do the... Because you got married. You got married. I got married. We weren't there, but I feel like I just I just feel like you just got married. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was two years ago now, but um, I guess because nobody knows. It's a little different. The wedding itself was actually quite beautiful in the sense that I think there was a total of maybe 25 people there. It was quite a small wedding, very intimate, very quick, Mm. almost like. You know, I welcomed people in. I didn't do an entrance. I was already there when they showed up. So it was such a simple wedding. We just had like really good food, a nice cake, some, I think some homemade desserts too. Mm. In and out, the whole thing probably took like an hour and a half. Mashallah. Maybe two for people who kind of lingered after. It was honestly like my quote unquote dream wedding. Dream wedding. <laughs> simple, quick, in, out, good food, cake, you're done. So can you describe me what the energy was like that morning? Like, what was the energy like? The energy for me? Yeah. So I had actually stayed over at an Airbnb with two of my friends and my daughter. And so in the morning, we just woke up, took a shower. Just everything was like, I was resting. I was relaxed. I was in an environment where I just felt very accepted and comfortable. Mm. And then my friends... uh, tried to convince me to wear more makeup than I did. And they're like, it's not enough. I'm like, dude, please, this is not me. <laughs> My friend tried to put eyeliner on me. I'm like, you need to stop. This is this is not working for me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, alhamdulillah. So we got ready and then we headed over. I literally drove my car. It was just, it was how I wanted it to be. Just really chill. Yeah. I drove my car to yeah. the location. Yeah. And then my fiance at the time showed up as well. He had flown up from the U.S., just him on his own, yeah. right? Because it was hard for any of his family to come up. So he was the only person in that room that I didn't, not I mean, I didn't know him, but like <laughs> that wasn't like a long time mm-hmm. relationship in mm-hmm. my life. So yeah, alhamdulillah, uh, in the actual room at the wedding, I feel like the energy was really buzzing with excitement. And I think the reason for that is just because I had exactly who I wanted to be mm-hmm. there there. Does that make sense? That mm-hmm. sentence makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. And so there's no like extra anybody. 
Mm-hmm. It was just people who I knew would be genuinely excited and happy for me. Alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I say it was my quote unquote dream wedding. Yeah. So everyone was just so excited and like overjoyed. And my daughter gave a little speech and everybody like, you know, was like, oh, and it, like they were just so genuinely happy. You know what's funny? I actually got made fun of a lot that day. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> you know why? Because I had the, the wedding that I wanted. Yes. But other people were like, what are you doing? What do you mean you're already here? <laughs> like, why aren't you wearing heels? Well, like all the things, all the things. But because I knew that they were just like kind of like half joking with me, mm-hmm. it was fine. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> it was really different. It was really different for everyone. In terms yes. of the pandemic too, like everyone was kind of figuring out what a wedding looked like yeah. at that time. And it's, I'm sure it was so different from like what, what your wedding was like in the past or the weddings of your family. So it was like, wow, okay. It's given like, you know, just chill vibes that maybe just was surprising. You know, it's interesting. Even when I had married Dom so many years ago, 2010 mm-hmm. Nikah, but then 2011 wedding, I remember thinking like this wedding is literally for our parents. Oh, It's just, I already had my Nikah. It was beautiful, simple. I already had my girls party with like just my friends. This is like, I'm showing up because my parents and his parents want this for us. And mm-hmm. he, he thought the same too, actually. He's like, yeah, this is for our parents. <laughs> and so this time around, I was like, no, this is for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to show up exactly as I want to. So the nikah itself was performed by my brother. Wow. Right? So we didn't even get an imam or anything like that. I love that, that though. <laughs> alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. I love that. When you were driving to essentially your wedding, what were some of the thoughts that were going on in your head? Like, did you have the windows down? You're like, wow, today's my wedding day. Like, did you have a moment like that? Listen, my my windows were not down. My hijab <laughs> was in the exact correct place and it was not gonna move. Okay. If it moved, I was I was gonna be done. Okay. <laughs> not the not the cliche and you know, opening credits of a rom com where it's like she's just blowing her just blowing Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. The opposite. I don't know. You know, I, I will say I was nervous, right? Mm. Because if you think about it. I hadn't been married for eight years, right? Almost eight years on the dot. And so the idea of getting into another relationship was just emotionally and conceptually difficult. Mm. But I kind of just swept that away. I'm like, you know what? Obviously, it's going to be difficult. I had some moments of cold feet, not going to lie. And I'm like, well, why am I doing this? Why did I choose this person? Mm -hmm. Am I making the right decision? Like those moments did exist. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm like, well, I made a Sahara. I consulted with people. I've talked to him for many months. And if I talk to him for another six months or year, am I going to learn anything new about him? No. Right. And so I kind of had to like take myself through that logical progression, I guess. Mm-hmm. But no, like when I arrived, I just felt comfortable. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. When, you know, when you decided you were going to marry this person, you know, was there qualities about him that you were like, oh, th- he feels like the right person? So I definitely didn't feel any alarms. So that, mm. that's true. Mm-hmm. He was just somebody who was, it seemed like we were really on the same wavelength, right? He was just somebody who was funny. He was somebody who, his level of um, religious practice was also, seemed to me to be at like a sweet spot in the sense that he was practicing, he prayed, um, you know, all of the things, but without taking the religion to an extreme Right. And that was important for me because mm-hmm. I think when you when you are practicing, I mean, man or woman, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. it's very easy to kind of take it to an extreme and be very strict and be very, um, I don't even know the English word for it, just to be very strict mm-hmm. about things. And I know that I couldn't have been with somebody who was very controlling and strict and that kind of thing, because like, if you think about it, yeah, I said before that I was I was single for eight years, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't have a husband to, you know, quote unquote answer to. Obviously, like I had my family still, but like I could kind of just do whatever I wanted. 
I mean, within limits, obviously. But like, I was free to come and go um, to take part in events that I wanted to, Mm -hmm. to to travel when I needed to for work. And like, I'm not saying my family loved it all the time, Mm -hmm. but like, they knew I'm like, like, you're in your 30s, like. Mm -hmm. You, you know, you have a good head on your shoulders and whatever. So to for the the concept of getting into a marriage where I was going, I feel like I have to put everything in quotes, right? Mm-hmm. Where I was going, quote, unquote, <laughs> backwards yeah. <laughs> um, was scary, yeah. right? And so I was speci- at that time, I was specifically looking for somebody who would just kind of let me do what I needed to do mm-hmm. and not be like, where are you going? What are you doing? When you're, you know, just like um, very overbearing. Mm-hmm. So he really struck me as somebody who fit the bill, essentially. So Asma found the man she wanted to marry. Our favorite sis on the internet found love again. Are you kidding me? If I'm screaming in your ear, I am so sorry. But can you stop? Like, can, I, I don't even know what to say. I'm, I'm, I'm near speechless. I mean, she found the person she wanted to marry to reach forward to the life she saw for herself. That's all I ever wanted for her. (laughs) But before anything else, she needed someone's approval. Someone who was a vital part of the entire process who had something to say. Today is a special day because I am getting a stepdad named after and a stepsister named Aria. When we first met, I met in Philadelphia. He said to me, I love your mom. Can I please marry her? That was very romantic. speech. I mean, you're right to think that Rukia is happy for her mom, excited for her mom, got nothing else to say, which of course was really important for Asma. However, the way that Asma raised Rukia, girl, if Rukia had something to say, bro, she was going to say it. It was hard for her. Mm. It was hard for her. And I don't blame her. I mean, it was hard for me Mm. to talk to her about it and to manage her emotions around it, right? Because if you think about all the lectures that we've heard about marriage, if we think about everything we've been taught in the Muslim community about marriage, like remarriage is really not talked about. Mm-mm. Stepchildren and like um, how to foster those relationships. Like that, I haven't heard anybody, maybe maybe like one lecture I might have mm-hmm. heard or like mm-hmm. a five minute something somewhere. But we really don't talk about it or focus on it in the Muslim community. And the, I mean, if you think about the the divorce rates in the Muslim community, what is it, like 40%, 50%? It, whatever, whatever the divorce rate is in general in, mm-hmm. the, in the wider community, it's the same in the Muslim community. Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking at people getting divorced at such high rates, remarriage and stepchildren and all of those relationships are actually kind of a big deal. And so there wasn't a lot of guidance. And so I felt like I kind of was just making it up as I went and trying my best to be very comforting to her and stuff. But something she would consistently say is, "I'm a f-, like she thought that I would forget 
her father mm. if uh, if I got into another marriage. And I mean, from her perspective of a child, it does feel like you're replacing someone, mm. right? And so I understood. It was very hard for me to hear that, but I understood why she said it and why she was feeling it. And it's interesting, like she was nine months old when Amr passed away. So it's not even like she has memories. Mm. She doesn't have memories of him at all. Mm-hmm. It's just him as a concept is just so important to her that like it still feels... She never used this word, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to describe what I think she was feeling was betrayal, like a sense of betrayal. That like, Mm -hmm. but don't we love Amr so much? How could you make a commitment to love someone else? Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, is not a a lot. I think adults might even feel the way about their own relationships of a lot of relationships. They lost like, can I, like, what does that mean to the relationship I had? You know, like, it's actually a very natural thing to think about. I mean, even, even I had those feelings. For so many years, and I, I can't even remember. I think on the on the first uh, episode that I was um, on Digital Sisterhood, I talked a little bit about when my mindset shifted a little bit, and it was mm-hmm. after Hedge, and you know all of that stuff. People can go back to episode. I mean, uh, season one. If they season one. To there's it. always hope for love. They know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They know. Alhamdulillah. Um, so I did have those feelings of if I if I'm with someone else, it feels like a betrayal, mm. right? And we we all know that it's not mm-hmm, right that. Mm-hmm. Like for, for a woman who's been widowed, all you have is the mourning period. The mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then there's, you can marry any, like you can marry and there's there shouldn't be this stigma or this um, sense of betrayal. But, you know, we're, we're human beings, right? Mm-hmm. Our emotions sometimes overtake us. Our emotions are complex. And so I knew that it was halal. Like there's no question about that. But like just the feeling I had inside was like really murky and like not pleasant, right? Mm-hmm. But alhamdulillah, that, that eventually passed. So her, you know, it's funny. She gave a speech at mm-hmm. the wedding, mm-hmm. right? Uh, actually, you rather you've, you've seen the video. <laughs> um, it was really sweet. It was a really sweet speech. But then, like, she kind of took me aside at the wedding, and she's like, "I don't know if I'm okay with this." She's eight. This child who's eight. I'm telling you, she says what she thinks. Yeah. She's like, "I don't know if I'm okay with this. This, I don't know. Like, I don't know how I'm feeling." And again, there's no blame whatsoever, right? Because it is, it's a big thing. It's a... She's feeling big adult feelings. She's feeling big Big adult adult feelings, 100%. And then so me, as another big adult, I feel those feelings too, but I can't tell her, yeah, you know, something about this, like it is hard. Like I I have to comfort her, right? And I told her, like, I know that this is foreign. I know that this is something that might make you feel uncomfortable. And I talked her through it, but literally like she whispered it in my ear while I was sitting... (laughs) At the head table? At the head table like 100%. that? Like, I saw the video. It's like yeah. you're at in front of the people. Yes. You know, yep. the imam is on the far right. Yeah. Your fiance is right beside you and then she's on your left. Yeah. And she just whispers like that while yep. you're there in front of everybody. So yeah. do you keep your composure? Like, <laughs> like I wouldn't do no, my no, job. I kept my I... composure. I kept my composure. Just because I'm, I'm used to her saying stuff like that. And like, she has a lot of big emotions, yes, big feelings. And she, she always has. And so it didn't really shock me. Mm-hmm. Right. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I actually can't even remember what I told her, but I just, I tried to come for her and she seemed to have a, like a good time in a, at the mm-hmm. wedding and, you know, with her cousins running the, around and stuff. I love that you guys have that community. Like, I love that she's, she can tell you exactly how she, even in the middle of your nikah. Yeah. <laughs> she will tell you. And I hope that never changes. I mean, I, mean, I mean, never changes. That I she mean. can talk to her mom, even in the middle of her wedding day and say, I'm not liking this right now. It's kind of like, I remember this dot that I always used to make for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep Rukhaya my best friend. Mm. And what listen, is, listen. What, is this, what did it sound like? Like, we're getting to a difficult, 
years with her, right? <laughs> because she's she's approaching teenagehood and, and all that stuff. So, the tussle, the tussle. Yeah, yeah. We're we're gonna yeah. we're gonna tussle a lot, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> but I hope that that all remains within context of mm. just being close and that she can trust me and all that. And don't get me wrong, I yell sometimes. Mm. I, I make I make all the mistakes, right? Mm. Just like any other parent does. But um yeah, may Allah make us uh, or continue to help us be close. I mean, we also have to I keep mean, you always and have that, you know, I've always wanted that Gilmer girl, <laughs> mother and daughter. So I, I planned to get married at 18 and it didn't work out. And I was like, damn, I'm not going to be the young mom that everyone thinks is her sister. <laughs> um, so, so like now I'm into Korean skincare Ooh. To, 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 to backtrack so I can look like the 18 year old girl. So when my daughter becomes someone my age, he'd be like, is that your sister? And she'd be pissed. You oh know, I always wanted that for my Listen, you what? never know. You never you know. Don't happen. worry, no, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm starting to look like a baby's bottom right now. But anyways, <laughs> we're, we're at the end of the wedding day. But uh, my question to you is, is this. If Amr could talk to you just one more time for a moment, what do you think he would have said to you on your wedding day? If his ghost could talk to you, what do you think he would have said to his you? His ghost? Oh, my God. That's a really interesting question. Honestly, I think, I think he would be happy. I think he would be happy. You know, I, I really doubt that he would want me to live my whole life alone. I would hope that he would say, I'm happy for you and I'm proud that you've gotten to this point, you know, where you're open again and you're doing all the things you're doing in your life and all of that. Um, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. He was always a, a husband who was so emotionally in tune mm. with me. Um, he was very kind, very respectful, didn't put a lot of limitations on me. He would always encourage me. Like he saw that I had a penchant for writing and he's like, you know, even like after I had Rukhaya, he's like, you know, when you feel up to it or, or she's at like the daycare stage that we can put her in daycare, I would love for you to do like writing. You, you're really good at writing or maybe some volunteer work. Like he he was that person, right? Who wasn't just like, you're going to stay home, you're going to watch the kids, which is fine, right? If you stay home and watch the kids, perfectly fine. But he was always somebody who encouraged me towards reaching my potential. Mm. And so I don't think this would have been any different. Mm-hmm. You would have been supportive of it. Yeah. Did you get any advice for your mom on your wedding day? Like, did she did she take your side, give you any, like, you know, nasiha? So she didn't give me advice per se, mm. but she, you know, she talked to me and, and my, I'm just going to say his name, Ahmed, right? Yeah. She talked to me and Ahmed and just made dua for us mm. that Allah would keep us steadfast. So it was just duas from mm. my mom. From my friends, they went up to him and they're like, she has a crew here. Yeah. You better watch out. Yeah. You better watch your back. Yeah. You better treat her like a queen. Otherwise, we're going to come after you. And I love that. <laughs> I love that. They just came out and said it. Okay. Yep. Yep. I feel like, <laughs> first of nice. all, you know, you just got to remind people that sometimes these people are loved. Yeah. They are loved. And they are wanted. One of the biggest misconceptions is that when women get married, right, and they find their prince charming, and they set up to the sunset and like life is blissful and you're there for the celebrations and the congratulations and the singing and the dancing. And it's just this entire like event that this person has entered this new chapter that we think that that's it. It's time for us as friends, as families to back off. But in my in my experience through my friends who've been married, that chapter, actually, the chapter of marriage can be one of the most daunting and alienating chapters ever because a lot of, for a lot of women, and this is the truth, for a lot of women, getting married also means moving away, right? It also means uh, making a new life. It also means moving out. It also means making new friends. It also means just 
adjusting and readjusting, and it can just be just overwhelming. Now, imagine being in this position and then having no one check on you, no one call you, no one say anything to you because it's like everyone's thinking, well, you know, you're married, you set off, like you, you add to the hot sunset. And, 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 and my favorite moments of sisterhood and friendship is when friends come to their friends after all the celebrating, after all the woo ha ha ha, even after when everyone is left and they tell their friend and they look them in the eye and they say, I will be here for you for this chapter and for the ones that come in good times and in bad. And they remind you that no matter what, they have their back. Oh, I love those moments. And I think they're so, so special. SubhanAllah. One of the greatest examples of this kind of message is when Asma's friend comes to her in a video letter with complete open arms and an open heart and says, Hey, Asma. I just wanted to message to say that I loved your wedding. How everything... Like how you looked, you look gorgeous, mashallah. The place is um, perfect for this. And uh, I loved how short and sweet it was. Um, I think that your brother, mashallah, did like justice to the occasion and to everyone. And I, you know, I just want you to know that I'm with you. And as I've learned, um, and you, you would have known, you know, marriage is a journey. We don't lose our friends in the process actually what we do is we need our friends um and we need them more so i want you to remember that uh, i'm with you and we're with you and uh yeah i'm just so emotional because it's i mean it reflects i mean you just made it over like a huge huge mountain and may allah give you so much beauty and goodness in your life so after the wedding, essentially just like a couple of days after the wedding, or maybe like a week after the wedding, Rukhay and I flew down, right? Um, he he lives like a seven and a half hour drive from here, but we just flew. And that's it. Like we were ready to start our new life in a new city, in a new country. Because mm. obviously we're from Toronto, Canada. He's from Philadelphia. And He's I, from Philly? Yeah. Yep. Philly? And I didn't hear until a year or two later that you should have married someone from Philly. <laughs> That's like a thing. You guys should see Ada right now. She's like writhing in pain. Yo, I'm dying because I I can't have people from Philly come for us because they're actually scary. Um, but Philly, outside of that, they are the funniest people. They are. They are. And they're actually both un- unhinged. But I love Philly. It's but. a cool city. It has a, a lot of amazing things. But um, so we moved and it was just at the point where my daughter could start a new school. I found an Islamic school there. Mm. Um, but the school was like at least a 45, 50-minute drive every mm. single day to and from. Uh, that was really stressful. But, um, like, alhamdulillah, things were going okay, yeah. generally speaking. I, I had a lot of emotions, yeah. right? Roller coaster of emotions, myself and my daughter. We we're in a completely new situation, mm-hmm. now living with a spouse. Yeah, was- and now the dynamic of stepdad, stepdaughter. And then he also had a young daughter. So Mashallah. me being a stepmom, like, yeah. it wow. was just a All lot of once. things. All at once, a lot of things coming at me. Even one of those things would be challenging, right? But like a lot of things coming at me. And not only that, but I'm in a city where I don't have any friends, any family, any connections. And so it's almost like, this is a weird metaphor, but like you're filling up a bathtub and the drain is clogged. It's just, it's filling and it's filling and it's filling. The drain being like, at least if I had friends and connections Mm. and whatever, like there's some level of support outside of just your 
you know, your little family, right? So I think for me that it was very emotionally overwhelming for me. Um, even just navigating like how to have another child in my life. She was wonderful. Like she's, I think she was four. Like she was just like a little girl, same mm. as every every uh, child. Having somebody in my life who had an ex-wife, mm. that that kind of dynamic, having my daughter. So I have to manage my own emotions, wow. which I'm an emotional person. <laughs> so just managing my own emotions is like a full-time job, yeah. basically. <laughs> then managing my daughter's emotions. SubhanAllah. And we already talked about, she has yeah. big, big emotions. And she will say it like it is. And she will say it. Right. And so that just kind of added to to the weight. The water's on. The bathtub is filling. <laughs> the ba- at one point, it's going gonna, it's gonna to overflow. It's about to fall, overflow breakdown. I was, so she kind of completed her first semester of school. And she also, I'm not going to lie, she didn't like her school. She didn't like the kids. She didn't like the teachers. And I, I mean, I kind of attributed that to she's just in a new place. She was literally born and raised in Toronto, been in the mm. same school since preschool. Plus my job at Rukai's Bookshelf, plus, 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 you know, figuring out how to like form like a close connection with my husband. Because um, obviously like we don't do stuff before marriage, right? <laughs> and you don't really know somebody until you get married and you so, live with them. Yeah, right? And you're doing so, all the dating after. Exactly. Yeah. So that was another thing to manage, right? So I would say for those three months, like September to December, I, I didn't know how I was feeling. I was very confused. Like things seemed to be going okay, but there were just certain things that just were not feeling right. We're not landing well with me. We're, again, I'm sitting there attributing everything to this is a big change, right? And that's valid, right? If you make those big changes, you are going to, you know, face roadblocks and stuff. We spent three months there and my thought was that I was just going to stay there until you know, we filed for immigration for me and all that stuff. But it's kind of, a, it's a weird process in the U.S. If you're married and you file for your spouse, you can't leave, the spouse cannot leave the country mm. until the paperwork comes through. Yep. You're literally stuck there. You're stuck there. My, my if friend you leave is the, the country, situation, yeah. Yeah, if you leave the country, you have to restart everything. Yep. They might not let you back in. It's just very and complex. it's very long. It's very long. And so the idea then of me not being able to unclog that drain by at least visiting my family or visiting friends or being able to come and go across the border, that was also a very heavy thing. Mm. So at the three-month mark, I decided I'm going back to Toronto with my daughter. Mm-hmm. I basically told my husband that I think we we might have potentially rushed into the moving in part because there's just so many things to consider. Because if I was on my own, I would have been able to kind of navigate and and whatever. So plus the other thing I should I should say, it wasn't just that, mm. right? But the fact that it wasn't just that, I kind of realized a little bit later. There was something making me feel really uncomfortable. Just like, and it got to a point where it's unbearable, right? People always talk about how important your gut is. I mean, look at all the gut advertisement. Everyone is talking about how to take care of your gut. I mean, I'm currently taking gut supplements because the gut plays a crucial role in guiding you in life. Like, for example, have you gone somewhere and just felt like you needed to get out of there? Sometimes that feeling could be your anxiety getting at you. But sometimes, sometimes, especially when it comes to making important decisions, it can be vital yet extremely difficult to trust yourself and that gut feeling. To ask yourself the important questions like, what if I'm just scared? What if I'm mistaking this feeling? Is it just all in my head? Is it me? Am I overthinking things? I mean, those things are real. 
But Asma had to learn how to trust her instincts and face what was bugging her inside. Because as it turns out, it was a first sign of trouble. We think of abuse as something that is physical, Mm. right? Like if I don't have, if I'm not black and blue, I wasn't abused, Mm. right? And I, like that's, I know that that's not true logically, Mm. but emotionally, like it just feels like I can't put myself in the same camp as women who've actually been abused because it feels like I'm diminishing their experiences, yeah. right? And then actually in preparation for this for this uh, interview, this podcast, some I, I expressed that to one of my friends and they told me, but by you doing that, you're also diminishing your own experience, mm. right? And I thought that that advice was was really good because I was questioning, I'm like, should I, should I talk about that? But all this stuff, like I didn't realize until I actually left. I drove, I drove back to Toronto. I made that trip multiple times actually, from Toronto to Philly and back and like multiple times. Interestingly enough, he only came to Toronto for the wedding, never came back. Anyway, mm. that's a whole other conversation. But when I got back to Toronto, obviously, like, I, I went to my parents' house. Almost immediately, I got sick for weeks, mm. like, actually weeks. And a sickness that, like, I just didn't understand it mm-hmm. because I'm like, why am I sick? Usually, like, alhamdulillah, when, when I get sick, I recover in, like, two days, mm-hmm three days, like, you know, you go through the worst of it and then you just come out of it. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. I was not coming out of the sickness. I was like in bed. I, I couldn't figure out. I'm like, why am I so sick? Yeah. And why for so long? Like yeah. I, was, I was annoyed. Yeah. Okay. And then I think after like two, two and a half, three weeks, like I finally started feeling better. Two days later, I get COVID. <laughs> wow. Oh, you were going through it. I was going you through it. You were going through it. it. I was going through it. And then at that time I was like, I, I just didn't know what was going on. Right. Only later would I realize that when you're in a high stress situation and your body finally has a minute to rest, mm-hmm. everything comes crashing down. I think it's called like the letdown effect mm-hmm. or the letdown something, right? And so it was through that sickness that I realized, oh, something's not right. Like like my body is is telling me something's not right, especially because that is very abnormal for me to be sick for weeks on end. Wow. Very, very abnormal. Yeah. So my body is, is telling me something. Yeah. I didn't want to listen to it. Yeah. I didn't want to listen to it because we were never taught how to listen to the the, the signs that, that are coming like, And we don't think it's body. related. We think everything it's is not, separate. Yeah, like we separate quick categories and like stuff like one, that. One of the things that I learned from this experience is that your body and soul and mind and heart can't be torn from each other. Mm. Something that's going wrong in your like in your emotional state or whatever is going to show up in your body. Period. Wow. I think for me I had a very particular view of what love should feel like and what it should mean and what a marriage should feel like and what it should mean. Mm. Right? What commitment means, what all of those things mean. And I wasn't feeling those things and I was confused. Mm-hmm. I was confused. Why am I not feeling this? This doesn't feel right. Someone's telling me that he loves me. But I don't feel it. I don't feel yeah. it in practice. And then, like, I, you know, it's funny. So this whole thing actually took me to therapy, yeah. which, alhamdulillah, I just want to say, like, that was one of the most, <laughs> that was, like, one of the best things that came out of that weird, confused state that I actually got into therapy. And my th- Muslim therapist, she helped me, like, really dig through why I was feeling the way I was feeling, really unpack things. That was so helpful to me because when you're in that, like, weird, confusion, mucky confusion, like, you just don't know how to get out of it. And sometimes you need the help. Yeah. And she also took me back to childhood experiences. She also took me back to um, everything that happened with Amr and the, the grief around that. And kind of some of my negative experiences, I don't want to say just in my family, but just with males in general. Mm. 
and feeling very afraid of getting into a relationship where I was going to be controlled. Yeah. Like, like terrified. Yeah. Absolutely terrified. Because, like, I know firsthand that when you're married, the effect that your husband has on you is, it's, I don't want to say extreme, but, but it is. Like, he has, like, a very strong role mm. in your emotional state, your spiritual state, all of the states, right? So whatever he does is going to rub off on you. Mm -hmm. Whatever he believes, whatever he says, it is going to affect you and rub yeah. off on you because you're in a very vulnerable position. Like mm -hmm. as a wife, you open your heart up to somebody, you, you know, you welcome somebody into your life and, and you let your guard down. That's why like a relationship to a man, woman, and wife is so sacred. Yeah. Because you're open, because Allah describes it as garments, like what yes. is more, like what is more bare than yes. somebody being called your garment over your like essentially, I'm not trying to be dramatic, naked body. SubhanAllah. 100%. You know what I'm 100%. saying? And so it's it it, ha it speaks to a larger you think and, and I and I feel like a lot of women have deeped that, which is why I find a lot of women are apprehensive and really at like a really scared and in defense mode when it comes to relationships. And that's why I'm really deeping what you're saying about that I was confused. Because mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of us like get into relationships and then have that, like, I don't, I don't know if this is right. But then we're also told not to trust our gut. We're also told, like, you know, like, we're, we're, we're wired to, to say, to gaslight ourselves and say, no, well, you're here already here. Khalas, yani, like, you better make do what you got. 10 out of 10 for every single thing that just came out of your mouth. Honestly, we're taught to gaslight ourselves. Yeah. We're taught to not listen to, uh, like, the signs that our body, yeah. even heart, even mind, are giving you. Like, we're taught to um, make everything illogical. No, you know what we're taught as women? Mm -hmm. That emotion is bad mm -hmm. and logic is good. Yeah. And so you have to think logically. You have to think logically and practically and there's nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else is relevant. The way yeah. you feel, your gut reaction, all that, that's irrelevant, mm -hmm. which is so destructive for the soul. Okay. And I understand why women are apprehensive. It's exactly what you said. Like you, you open yourself up to somebody, you are now in a vulnerable state and your, your wellness is heavily affected by what your spouse does now. Really? Right? Really and that's is. scary. You know, I actually came on this podcast thinking I'm not going to talk about what that what the issues were. And then mm. I thought to myself, well, why? Why am I not going to... Nobody knows this person, yeah, right? No. Why am I not going to talk about what the issues actually were? Mm -hmm. Like, why as women do we want to protect the secrecy and the sacredness of our marriage to the point that it's a huge detriment to us and to other women around us? Mm. You know, if nobody tells these stories... How are we ever going to know like what mm -hmm. to look for what and to what to think? I'll give you, I'll just give you a couple of examples. So before we got married, I was very clear with him. I'm not paying for household stuff, mm. right? Like my, like when I conceptualize a marriage, mm -hmm. like a husband, he's meant to provide and protect, you know, the provider pr mm -hmm. protector mentality, mm -hmm. like very much, right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't provide for me and you don't protect me, mm -hmm. Why are you even there, mm. right? Um, you're just adding more stress and more responsibilities to, you know, on my shoulders mm -hmm. and not giving me anything in return, right? Not giving me the kind of support um, that I actually need as a woman, right? So I was very clear with him before we got married. Like, I'm not going to pay for household stuff. Yeah. Like, no utilities, no, I don't know, rent, like no portion of the rent, yeah. no no groceries. Like, this is your role, yeah. right? We talked about it back and forth, but he's he's like, okay, let me go back to my budget and look, you guys can't see, but I'm rolling my yeah. eyes like all the way up into my brain. Yeah, anyway, so then he came back to me and he's like, you know what? Yeah, that's fine. And I'm like, all right. Hold on. So we talked about it. It's done. Mm -hmm. In the marriage, 
That's not how it played out. Mm. I was paying for, and again, I, I'm such a reasonable person. Mm-hmm. I'm an extremely reasonable person. Again, we can talk about, have yeah. another session with my therapist yeah. as to why I'm like this. But like, I, I already had my car. I already had my phone. I Like, I didn't ask him to pay any of the stuff I already came with, which alhamdulillah, I came with just all the stuff that I needed. Like, there's no, I didn't need anything from mm-hmm. him, right? So even just like the idea of arguing with him over who's going to pay for groceries is like, it was such a place mm-hmm. to be. And so I didn't even want to get into it, right? And I, I expressed it a little bit, but it's just, it's humiliating. Like, I'm your wife. Do you not care about taking care of me? Yeah. Like, and to me, these things are bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't have to move from where he was living. Yeah. He was already paying for it. I'm not adding anything to that. He was already buying groceries. How much are your groceries going to go up per month? Mm. With like one, two other people, a, a woman and a child, right? A mm-hmm. hundred bucks a month, maybe? Not even, right? But the interesting thing about that is that, you know, when I was in, when I came back to Toronto and we were having conversations about this, because I'm like, there are certain things that have to change in order for me to come back, right? He, <laughs> this is, this is so, this is making me like so enraged. But um, he would say, no, we agreed to this before we got married. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, am I going crazy? Did mm-hmm. we agree to this before we got married? And and like my memory was like so jumbled because I was in a really weird, emotionally dysregulated place. And I was like, maybe he's right. Maybe I'm the one being um, unreasonable. Mm-hmm. So I was gaslighting myself. Mm-hmm. And I realized after the fact that he was majorly gaslighting me too. Mm. Because, you know, when I realized it, when my brother called me up, the same brother who actually performed the nikah, him and Ahmed talked, obviously, before we got married and whatever. And Ahmed had told him, I'm going to take care of Ruqayya and Asma. Everything they need is going to is gonna come out of my pocket. Everything, mm. like... Alhamdulillah. Like, yeah. Like, this, is where, this is where the willy, you know, like... This is why, and, and, and I'm just listening to him like, this is why they play such a major role. They're mm-hmm. a witness. They're a witness. So exactly. because, because we go through like emotional and it really, like we, we go through, we go through it. And our Willie was supposed to say, nah, that's not what we agreed. This is not what actually yeah. occurred. And they defend you in that way because yeah. they were there. Exactly. And they spoke to them and they said, this is, uh, we took care of them like this. Mm-hmm. You know, subhanAllah, like, and it, it was, it's just, I mean, it's sad that I had to wait for my brother to call mm. me or to have a conversation with him and him to tell me, no, I remember he said X, Y, Z. And then I thought, oh, thank you. Like, thank you a lot. Alhamdulillah. Like, I'm mm. not the one who's crazy. Because, I because I, you know, I'm the kind of person who always turns the, the reflection and the blame inward. Like, what, what did I do wrong? So we had the money issue. And again, listen, a, an extra $150, $200 out of my account every month is really not going to make or break my finances. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> But I, I told him so many times, it's not about the money. It's about the concept. And it's the principle. It's the principle oh, yeah. that I need my husband. I need to feel that my husband is taking care of yeah. me. So at, in one conversation, he asked me, because <laughs> like we were, we were thinking about like, yeah. should we stay together or should we separate, yeah. right? And he asked me, he said, so... You would rather move to a place by yourself, pay full rent, full utilities, full groceries, than to pay like a teeny tiny amount with me. I'm like, yes, I would. Yes, I would. It's the principle. It is the principle. It's not that I can't afford $100 a month. Like, alhamdulillah, it's not that I can't afford that. It's just, if I'm not feeling protected or safe, like what kind of marriage is that? It just doesn't work. And then the, the gaslighting is like a huge thing. He gaslit me about so many different things, mm-hmm. right? So the other thing was like his relationship with his ex. 
another, I can't even tell you how reasonable I am yeah. about everything. I don't have super high standards about like living arrangements, as long as it's clean, safe, all of those things. Or like, I don't need to buy like luxurious food and mm. like eat at fancy restaurants. Like that's just not who I am. And so when I say like what I was asking for was so silly, actually. And the fact that he couldn't even do that, that was like a huge, that was a huge red red flag for me. So man, we could stay here for like six hours. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> the other thing is like, we talked about his relationship with his ex before we got married, right? And I actually met her too before we got married. Because I was just like, dude, I, I want to meet your ex. Mm. And I sat down with her alone and whatever. And she said really good things about him, actually, which was interesting. Because I'm like, if anybody has something bad to say, say about it him, be, it would yeah. be her. Yes, yeah, right? Um, and for she was just like, no, it was just like personality. Like we just weren't matched personality-wise, mm. essentially. But I, I was perfectly happy with them texting, talking, anything related to their daughter. Like just like, alhamdulillah, just like open with it, right? just fully trusting and whatever. At one point, we even had her daughter's birthday party like in our house, right? And she was there and whatever. And I'm happy with that. And I, you know, I went out with her on my own and she was, she's a good person, right? She's, there's nothing, um, there's no issue. But he was so insistent on, you know, every once in a while, I have to go out with just her and my daughter. Mm. Like just because I want my daughter to see that, you know, we still have a cordial relationship and whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's fine, but we can all go out together, mm -hmm. right? Because I'm not comfortable with you being alone with somebody who's like uh, no longer your wife, yeah. essentially. It feels disrespectful to me, right? I'm happy to do whatever you want, restaurant, go to the park, get on, go to an amusement park. We'll all go together and we'll be perfectly fine, right? And he was just like, guess what he said? We talked about this before we got married. And I was like, oh, oh, oh damn, did we? Did we? Again, with the gaslighting. And then I remember having a conversation with him. I'm like, listen, because I, I didn't remember what we talked about. Yeah. But I can tell you 100%. There's no way I agreed to that. Yeah. Like if somebody had told me I'm going to hang out with my ex like on my own every couple of weeks or whatever, I'd be like, no, you're not. Right. <laughs> There's no way. Like, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I asked him like, well, what if the tables were turned? What if I had an ex and I'm like, well, I'm yeah. going to hang out with him and my and his child. Yeah. Like you like there's no way you would be OK with that. Right. No, mm -mm. no person would be OK with that, mm -mm. like a Muslim who believes in like certain boundaries between mm -mm. men and women and all of those things. So the gaslighting again comes back. Right. And then I because I believed I'm like, I kind of believed him. I'm like, oh, maybe we did agree to yeah. this. And then so then the conversation turned to, well, you know, it's OK for someone to agree to something. And then if they don't feel that it's right when, when it's actually in practice, mm -hmm. that they can have a conversation about yeah, it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he was just like, no. No, this is something we agree to. And so what I, my point is, like, he wouldn't even allow for a conversation to happen. And, he, and even, like, I always think I'm, like, I always go back to this, like, I'm so flippin' reasonable. Like, I never yell in, 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 you know, conversations or arguments. Like, I'm not a yeller. I'm not somebody who swears. I'm not disrespectful at all. The worst thing I'll do is I'll start crying. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> That's, like, the worst thing I'll do. That's the first thing I do. That's the first thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, and so it's not like I was coming at him with like blame or anything. It was just like, I'm I'm open to having a conversation. Like, how do we accomplish what you need to have accomplished, but in a way that makes me feel safe and respected? Yeah. Right? I'm, like, the communication was very clear. Still, no movement. Mm -hmm. No movement. And I also, I want to jump back to the budget thing. Like, he was such a budget conscious person mm. 
to the point where it led to like just really weird situations when I was there. Like we go to a place like a just like a fun place indoors, me, him and my daughter. And then he would say like, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to set out like I'm not going to partake in it with you because my my entertainment budget is done for the for the month. Oh, and, oh. and when I say budget, it was 20 bucks. <sighs> and, and, and I want to say like he was not poor. Yeah, he had he had what, a job where he made over 100k. Wow, love that. And like, and the place he was living in Philly was like not expensive. Like, you have like you have money. It's not like somebody's really struggling financially, which I would understand. Yeah, if you're struggling financially, we're not going to do those extra things. We're yeah. going to be very, we are going to be very budget conscious, but the money was there, right? Mm. Um, and so it just led to like just some very odd situations where mm-hmm. I was like. I don't understand. I don't understand like what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. That all led to the confusion, right? And there, you know, there were a number of issues, a number of examples, a number of like ways that I was gaslit and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I don't want to get into all of them, but I want to say that coming out of that, um, in like in the couple of months I was in Toronto, still ha- trying to have these conversations with him, like, am I going to come back? Are we going to separate? My my emotional and spiritual states yeah. were just not good. Mm. We're not good. Like, I'm going to tell you, so other, I have a lot of flaws mm. and I'm okay to acknowledge it. I have a lot of flaws. But one, I mean, this is another example, okay? I Generally speaking, I'm gen, I'm a generous person to my friends and my family. And like, if I see something in a store my daughter would like, I would just be like, yep, let's get that. Yeah. Oh, this is something that my friend so-and-so would love. I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to send it to her or whatever. Like, it was, that's just a part of who I am, right? Like, uh, not overboard, right? But, like, it's just a part of my personality. And I love that. Mm-hmm. This is, like, one of the things I hold on to so dearly. I noticed when I was there, again, this was just, like, a few weeks into being there, that I, the way that I thought about the money that I spent was starting to shift. And the the way that I found out is I was in a store. I don't know. I was in Costco or something. I was in a store. And I saw a box of like his favorite chocolates and I picked it up. I'm like, oh, he would love this. And then I looked at it. I'm like, and I put it back. And that to me was like one of the most, I know it sounds so like insignificant, but that to me was like, like one of the examples of how much I was being impacted. It was a few weeks in, I'm not talking about years in, I'm talking about a few weeks. Right. And to me, for me to, pick something up and then put it back. And how much was it? 15 bucks? Like it wasn't, it was, again, not something that's like a thousand dollars, nothing like that. Because I thought, well, maybe I should be more careful about my budget. Maybe, no, I also thought like, well, he wouldn't do this for me. So why should I do it to do it for him? These are things that I noticed going on in my mind and I hated them. I was like, I cannot afford to give up the qualities about myself that are good because I know how many flaws I have. And if I'm giving up things that are good about myself, this is going to be, I'm going to spiral downhill, right? Absolutely. And the other example, either we could sit here for 10 hours, yeah, man. Yeah. So the other example is like, he was, he didn't do well with Fesh prayer. And like, he just, he didn't even try to wake up. Okay. Mm. This is not something I knew before mm-hmm. we got married. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he he was praying five times a day, which he was. I'm not saying he wasn't praying five times a day, but like he would literally never get up for fetch mm-hmm. in like those whole three months, maybe once or twice, like I woke him up. And so he kind of like dragged himself out of bed. But like, again, the thing that I noticed is that 
I would sleep through Fajr. It happened a couple of wow. times. And Fajr is something that, like, I, I don't know what, how other people feel, but when I miss Fajr on a day, I feel like the whole day is ruined. No, it is, because it, 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 domino effect. Domino effect. It's a huge domino effect. Exactly. And it impacts your Iman, right? So it like, impacts your Iman. SubhanAllah. It's just, that's why Fajr is like, if you could beat Fajr, Everything is so easy yeah. after that. Yeah, yeah. And, and listen, all of us have missed Fajr at one point or another. Mm. We sleep through our, our mm-hmm. alarms, we're tired, mm-hmm. whatever. So I'm not saying like I'm 100% anything. Mm-hmm. But one of, but it's just, it's important to me, right? And it's something that I try very hard to stick to, mm-hmm. right? And then I noticed that happening to me. I would start missing Fajr like more and more. Or even not, not like all the time, but it just happened maybe four or five times. Hello. And I was like, what is going on? Yeah. What is going on? And so my big thing is that my spiritual state was starting to be affected. And when I think about it, like on the day of judgment, we're going to meet Allah alone. It's going to be our deeds and we're going to be taken into account for our deeds. I can't have my husband standing next to me and saying, well, it was his fault. He's the one that, you know, was lazy with Fesh. And, and so who cares if he was? Like, it's it's on me. Like, I'm a fully grown adult. Mm-hmm. And so when I felt that my spiritual state was declining, and when I say declining, I mean declining quickly. I was very, very alarmed. You know, so in addition to like, you know, that like emotional piece of being gaslit and and like not being heard as a spouse, you know, coming to another spouse, talking about something that was upsetting them, et cetera, et cetera. There was also the piece about being just um, spiritually in trouble. And that I think was like the thing that, that kind of tied the bow for me because mm-hmm. I'm like, I cannot be in a relationship that is undermining my relationship with Allah. And so, you know, when I was here and I was in therapy and I was like, you know, trying to figure things out and having conversations with him and it was just a very mucky, weird time. I stopped trusting myself to make oh. decisions because mm-hmm. I'm like, if I made this quote unquote bad decision to marry him, how do I know any decisions moving forward are going to be good? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I really struggled with trusting myself. And so I asked so many people for advice and I sat with them and, you know, we had a conversation. I told them what was going on and they all they all had the same advice. <laughs> they all literally, except one person, which we're not going to talk about her. OK, <laughs> um, they all had the same advice. Like this is not somebody who's long term. Mm. It's just not. Mm. Even my brother eventually told me that, too. He's like, I don't think this is for you. Right. There was one person who told me, you need to adjust your expectations. And I was so mad. Mm. I was like, I'm literally telling you that I'm so unhappy and that I'm really struggling emotionally, spiritually. How can I adjust my expectations spiritually? You should never adjust your spiritual expectations. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You should adjust them upwards, not, not no, downwards. No, absolutely not. And absolutely like, not. And I think from then on, I, let's just say I haven't taken advice from this person. Yeah. Um, but I sat with many different people. I sat with very learned people. One of the one of the people I sat with was Sheikha Maryam Amir. Mm, oh, I love her so out. much. I, she's like uh, she's she's a kindred spirit. She right? is, she is a gem. She she's a gem, a gem and she's Lombatic. so knowledgeable. She is, and then she's also compassionate and and yeah. empathetic and, and all of those things. And she had the same advice. She's like, you know, this is not the way that you deserve to be treated. You and your daughter, who's an orphan, it's it should be his honor to do everything he can to take care of you guys. And he's not appreciating you. He's treating you like pretty poorly. Mm-hmm. Although she tried to work things out with her husband. And you guys know, Asma ain't no quitter. She even began speaking to a therapist. 
Although Smanuth things had escalated far beyond the breaking point, she still had to make another vital decision. But this time, regarding the future of her marriage. And so after all that advice, I'm like, you know what? I think this is not for me. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, think we should just, I think we should get divorced. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I feel like he was on the same page because like he was having a quote-unquote hard time with me because I was quote-unquote <laughs> expecting too much and uh, being difficult and all of those things, which I promise you I wasn't, right? Mm-hmm. It's just when you have that perspective of a woman, you're always going to think that, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we decided to get a divorce. And so I remember, you know, it's funny, we divorced over Zoom. <laughs> over Zoom? Over Zoom, because oh, wow. I was in Toronto and he was in Philly. And so my brother was there, right? He's the one who who married us. He was in the Zoom meeting and he said some really nice things. And he's just like, you know, you guys tried and mm. like, sometimes it just happens that things don't work out. Yeah. And then he said, he said, I divorced. He started crying in the Zoom oh. call. Because I'm mm. not like, all, all of this is not to say that he was someone without emotion or someone yeah. who was just like a horrible, terrible, like mm. abusive. That's this. None of this is to say that, right? He had a, he did have good qualities. Yeah. He did have good, good qualities and we did have some good times, but just the other side was overwhelming those things for me, mm. right? So he he said uh, in Arabic, he started crying, but whatever. I wasn't crying. My my eyes have never been drier. <laughs> well, because women grieve way before. I was grieving for those months. Yeah, right. I was you have really already went time. through that process. You did the crying, bro. Exactly. I did the crying. I was flipping crying every yeah, know, single day for five months. Every single day, because I'm, I'm going to tell you, like the grief of losing Amr. In my head, it made sense when somebody that you love dies. Of course, you're going to grieve them. They're yeah. taken away, but you, but it's not your fault. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, but this one, I'm like, is it my fault? You know, all of that, like, really weird internal, Self-blaming. like, self blame and all that. Because you have to hold somebody accountable in order to understand. Exactly. And and so it's just easy to say it's you. It's easy to say, yeah, it's just, me. And just I'm live with it. Fault. Yeah, live with it. And so this, like, I almost didn't want to get into another situation where I was going to grieve again, but for a reason that almost didn't make sense. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm trying my best and I have, you know, I'm doing all these things in good faith. So why isn't it working? Like, it's just, you know, that confusing yeah. place. Yeah. So he said, I divorce you over Zoom. I can't even tell you the relief that I felt once that Zoom call was over. The relief washed over me. Like, and it was actually beautiful. Alhamdulillah. I'll tell you what happened afterwards, right? But I do want to say that I'm so fortunate to have been in a family and in a group of friends who attached absolutely no taboo. To divorce. And I know that's a struggle for so many women. And like, there was one point where I wasn't, I didn't talk to my mom. I didn't talk to my mom about what was going on, but she's, she's my mom. She sees me upset. She sees that something is wrong. Right. Once I was in bed, I think it was like while I was sick, all those weeks yeah. that I was sick, she came into my room and she said, you know, we have an Egyptian saying, when a woman gets on a bus and she realizes, oh, this bus is going the wrong way. I got on the wrong bus. All she has to do is get off. And I sat there and I was like, oh my epic, God. Epic, epic. Oh my God. Oh, you would mind think. Mind exploding. My, mind like, <laughs> it was mind numbing. You never expected it. I never expected it from to my come mom. come from her like that. Like, you know, Especially when parents, you're parents, yeah. like the, their generation is like avoid Very divorce at adult. all costs. Oh my, it's the worst thing you could ever do. Exactly, exactly. But, but like, 
that <laughs> that Lombatic. little tiny nugget of advice from her, it almost gave me permission to get off the bus. To just get off the bus, right? But I, I mean, I still struggled with it for months yeah. after. But just that little thing from her. And my mom is a wonderful Allah. woman. MashaAllah, tabarakallah. Like she's religious. She's just caring. She's played such an important um, role in Rukhaya's life growing up. She's mm. a second mother to her, yeah. right? And so if she says that, like, dang, there's something to it, right? She sees how unhappy her daughter is. She's not going to let her remain in that situation. So I was very fortunate for that. Alhamdulillah. So when we got divorced, relief, like, washed over me. And I was like, oh, my God, alhamdulillah, I'm free. I don't have to worry about this anymore. I'm, I'm good. On the other hand, he suffered greatly. He suffered. No. Yeah, he was like, he questioned himself a lot after. Mm. He was just like. They really say men grieve regret- later. Yeah, yeah. he like, regretted it. And we didn't. Okay, so I was in my idda, right? Yeah. So it's usually boiled down to like three months. But yeah. after the first month. I hadn't talked to him. Khalas, like we're yeah. done. He, we talked after a month. Yeah, and he was like, I could see that he was unhappy. Mm. And he's like, he actually asked me, like, do you want to try again? Mm. He said to me, you know what? I realized that the stuff you were asking for was actually reasonable. It was reasonable. So he, I think he was just so lonely and so, like, unhappy yeah. that he he actually asked me. He's like, do you want to try again? Yeah. And then I was like, okay, let me ask you something, Ahmed. Are you asking me that because? you actually want to change and you actually are going to take into consideration all the things that I talked to you about or are you asking me that because you're lonely? And his answer was, I don't know. Mm. And I was like, peace out, bro. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, don't don't ask me to come back if you're not mm. willing to make significant changes. And then, okay, so before we move to anywhere else, Adar, like, I also want to acknowledge that we said it a little bit before. Women are different. Mm. Some things that are troubling for me will not be troubling to another woman and mm. vice versa. And I have to acknowledge that because I'm not coming onto this podcast saying that like every woman should just like have this, like should do exactly what I did. Mm. No, you shouldn't. Mm-mm. You should do what is right for you and your relationship with Allah. Absolutely. Right? So I'm not, I'm, I am in no way advocating for people to be like, well, you didn't pay, I had to pay 50 bucks this month. Mm. I'm out. You know what I mean? Not, not at all. Because- like, as a woman, my sensitivities are different. Mm-hmm. My sensibilities, my disposition, what I believe about love, what I believe about masculinity, it's all informed by um, religion, but also culture, the way I was raised. So someone else might marry him and be, like, over the moon. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. But for me, it just, it wasn't it. Yeah. In Ramadan in 2022, I was still married, but, like, just on the cusp. Mm. And I was, like, really seriously considering leaving that relationship. At that time, I took the visionary course by yes. Sheikh Muhammad Sharif. Allah oh, Allah you know, may, Allah may Allah have mercy on him. Ameen, ya and in that course, it's all about dua, right? Mm-hmm. Like how to, you know, up your dua and really think about what you want in life and attach dua to that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a course that I've taken multiple times. Like I love it. And so in the course, he he basically makes you do do visioning exercises where you have to imagine like what is your ideal everything. He has it in categories. Your ideal family life, your ideal spouse, your ideal home, like yeah. all of the things. And so then, deep. Yeah. And then you ha- and strive for it and make the make your aim and your goal high. And then use your dua as a vehicle to like get get to mm-hmm. that place. And he, mm-hmm. he he always used to instill so much deep 
deep hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he will give you everything. Conviction. Right? Convic- like Del- the, Born like Dolulu. Like yeah, delusional yeah. conviction. <laughs> Even though we don't believe in delusion. Because it's no, not no. delusion. It's truthful. Yeah, it's it's not. But, but you, you know, it's funny. I just said this to somebody the other day. Like faith can, faith can look delusional to people mm, who don't understand it. it exactly. Right? So in that, in that course, he made us close our eyes. Okay. It was an online course, right? So I was sitting in this live session with him. He made us close our eyes and imagine all these things. And he said, imagine what? Imagine your spouse, right? Imagine like a scene of you guys like doing an activity, blah, blah, blah. Like what are his qualities? What does he look like? And I will tell you, when my eyes were closed, I did not see Ahmed. I did not see him. I saw someone very different than him, you know? And in that moment, I'm like, whoa, I should not be thinking like this or feeling like this if I'm in a good marriage. Wow. Like there's absolutely no way. And you know what's funny, other? Yeah. I started making dua for a different husband while I was still married. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Other <laughs> She you guys, she she threw her headphones off. She threw her headphones off because she was so shocked. You know what? First of all, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me tell you, you know why I I this is the kind of energy we need to be giving soft to be like better be upset all over the world. But listen. <laughs> It's because it's because you still had hope of course. in the middle of despair. Mm-hmm. And can I tell you something? I agree. I agree. I agree 110% because as you were talking about this, and, you, and we're in the studio right now closing our eyes, and I'm imagining, you know, my, you know, future husband. First of all, I think I just saw a face. Very scary. Interesting. Very scary. Who was it? I, I, I'm, no, not, I'm kidding. I'm no, kidding. No, no comment. No kidding. <laughs> I can tell you the, the traits of the person I imagined, if yeah. that's interesting Please to you, but tell me, please tell me. No, no, you tell me, me first. You okay, tell me my, first. when I closed my eyes and I thought about like the person and what activity we were doing, I imagined a beach mm. and I imagined just sitting and it was empty. It was kind of like this, like this, like, it looked like a set from like a movie, but there's a sunset and there being, oh my God, not be bare of my soul out here. But anyway, <laughs> I feel like it says something about you, what you're, what you're interested in. But the person I'm imagining is curious He's he's curious about what I'm sharing. So this attentiveness, like this, like, like, it's not like you're just listening, yeah. but actually being listened to. I love like that. Like somebody actually cares to know what you think about things. And I think, I don't know, I think that's important to me to feel like somebody actually cares about what I'm thinking or want to say. Mm-hmm. And they have more of a loving eyes to it. Or anyway, anyway, I guess it's, I think for me, a value is like somebody enjoying my company. That was the first thing I thought of. And it, there was no kids. So there was just me and vibes <laughs> and a pina colada yeah, and a pina colada fam. A version one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My, my imagination took me to a much more shallow place. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> okay. Maybe this is telling a little bit too much, but like, I, I do not know where this came from. I promise you. Yeah. I imagined a guy with like a beard. Ooh. And long hair. Long, like past his like, years? Yeah, like man bun. Okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh he's giving the person solemn. Okay, long hair, beard. What else? Um, somebody who's like tall, bigger, tall, bigger. Also, like very kind and all the stuff. But, yeah. but the physical stuff surprised me actually, because like I, I've never thought of a man with long hair. Like who? Ca- because who cares about yeah, those yeah, things? Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not gonna judge myself. No, that's, gonna I judge close it. my eyes we're, and that's what I saw. And we're accepting ourselves. Right? We're accepting ourselves. We're accepting ourselves. Radical acceptance. Exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. But obviously, at the moment, it. It wasn't funny. I was like, whoa. So that Ramadan, you made dua for a man bun and beard, eh? <laughs> so, okay. That, those words were not in my dua, but they were what I was imagining when making mm, the dua, mm. essentially. But I think my dua was, uh, 
you know, I want to be with someone who lo- who loves you and you love him. Mm. Oh that, my God. Because to me, if Allah loves you and you love him, you are going to be a principled person. Mm. You are going to be someone who protects your family and provides and like you are going to have those qualities yeah, right yeah so but in my mind i knew what i was picturing yeah that's all i'm gonna say and, and you know vision is important vision yeah. is important especially if you if you know about the visionary program how important that vision is is as if you can see it you have to believe it yes so in order to believe you need to be able to see it so anybody who's like right now thinking about like they're it, it, they're you know about to like you know decide to leave a relationship or work on a relationship dua. Consult with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and really just take care of your well-being. And I really like what you talked about, you know, having a Muslim therapist. I think it's really important as well for us to kind of clear the confusion. Sometimes we can't do that for ourselves. Sometimes we need someone else to kind of help us unpack it and put the puzzle and ask us the right questions in order to lead us to what we need to. Because, you know, we we do have the answers inside of us. It's just sometimes it can be a bit confusing. Yeah, 100%. I'm with you. And there's absolutely no stigma or shame attached to receiving consultation from people that you trust and also, you know, being in therapy and unpacking those things, just as you were saying. You know, like one of the things that is interesting of what you picked up, you said, so you still had hope, even mm. in the midst of everything. And I'm like, you know mm. what? Yeah. And going back to the the title of our first episode in season one, um, there's always hope for love. I still have hope. <sighs> and like, I'll, and people, like I, because my my hope is not attached to people. Mm. It's attached to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. But not only that, like, I, for a minute, not for a minute, for for a period of time, I did regret. I'm like, well, why did I marry this person? Like, mm. it probably has caused trauma to my daughter. Like, I was so regretful for a period of time. And then it actually dawned on me when I was going through therapy, even after the, the marriage ended. And, you know, just experiencing other things and, and seeing how much I grew as a person. Mm emotionally like how much more i i understand myself what i need what i want i understand what i want out of a relationship i understand what my view of masculinity is whereas mm. before i might not have and i've gained a lot of self compassion i'm still working on it but in the past like i would beat myself up mm. anything that went wrong it was always on me and i'm at a point now where i'm like it's okay for things to just go wrong sometimes and it's just a part of existing on this earth and I don't regret what happened Mm -hmm. because I would have never been in this state if all of that didn't happen Mm -hmm. and so now this thing runs you know in the background of my head all the time that everything that Allah brings to us whether it's good whether it's painful whether it brings joy success or you lose money or you gain money it's actually always good because if you learn from it and you grow from it as a believer and as a person that thing that happened was good I would have never come to the realizations that I have now or the understandings if I didn't go through that. I would be stuck mm-hmm. in the same in the same place. Mm-hmm. And so I look at it as like, wow, Allah took me there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took me there because he knew I needed something. Mm-hmm. And I got that thing that I needed. And so I'm, you know, I'm not going to go into, crawl into a little hole or into a little space where um, I think, well, all men are trash and <laughs> all men, and like, mm-hmm. I, I don't have hope. I'm never going to get married again. I'll, I haven't gone to that place because... Everything that happens is by Allah's permission and to bring us closer to Him. So, of course, there's always hope. And there's like a deep conviction that there's a well-known hadith about um, how if all if all humankind and all jinn from the beginning of time to the end of time all stood on one plane and asked Allah for every single thing they could possibly want and think of, He would be able to give it to them and it wouldn't decrease from His kingdom even a drop. When you hear stuff like this, like, who are you? To give to give up hope, like 
Allah's telling you over and over and over and over, like so many times that, you know, call on me and I'm going to respond to you and that he gives, he gives so generously and he is the generous one, right? And so where in all of that, like how, there's no space to give up hope. There's just mm-hmm. no space. I'm not saying I never struggle. Mm-hmm. Everyone struggles. But like the overarching feeling is just hopeful, right? If I marry someone, that person is going to be good for me. And if if that's delayed by five years, by 10 years, that delay is going to be good for me. Even if I never meet somebody in this world, that's going to be good for me. Because yeah. it's Allah who decides what's good for me, not mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So there's hope in every single Every single outcome, you can find hope in. Mm-hmm. Subhanallah. And they always, there's a you know beautiful saying of the believers of, believers affair is always always good. A believers affairs is always good. But I love how you said that so powerfully. There's always hope for love. Still, still, still. Hundred percent. Oh, I love you. I'm gonna give you a hug. I love you. Can I give you a hug? Yeah, yeah. I she's love guys. You. She's coming around. She's coming around to to give me a hug. I love you. <laughs> I also want to normalize like going through periods of struggle too, where you struggle even with that belief. Yeah. Right. And that's okay as long as you keep pulling yourself back. Absolutely. Keep reflecting. Keep reaching out to Allah. Keep pulling yourself back because there's no human without flaws. No. There's no human without like. Um, just little bits of things that bother them and make them angry and make them question and, and mm-hmm. all those things, you just keep pulling yourself back. Yeah. I love you for the sake of Allah. Aw, may the one for whom you love me love you. Asma's story could be something that shows you how strong love is. Specifically when it comes to Amr's love for Asma. Not only did it last through this new marriage and divorce, but it showed Asma what she was worthy of having. You got to believe that Asma's very first love didn't fade away. Might have even saved her. I mean, he set the standard for what love is and what love should be. I mean, how else could she have found the strength to get through all of this? And to make those decisions that changed her life so drastically. They say that grief is love with nowhere to go. What a blessing to have known a love so strong. But where did it go? What we learn from Aswa's story is where the love went. What you attach your hope to has to be constant, persistent, and everlasting. So what else can that be other than Allah? Back to where Amr now resides, and back to the place that one day we will all return. That's where her love actually went, and where her hope can never be lost. Again, before I let you guys go, I have to give my credits where credit is due for this phenomenal episode. I love to give a shout out to our episode producer, Khoe Bazaid. You know, I've been calling Khoe Bazid and it's been wrong, y'all. It's Khoe Bazaid. Now you know, okay? Now you know. It's not Bazid, it's Bazaid. Sorry about the Khoe. But Khoe Bazaid, congratulations on producing this episode. Like I said, you're only smashing hits out here, man. MashaAllah, tabarakallah. I'd love to give another shout out to our lead producer. Again, Hannah Adam, it's two for two, baby. You're just out here doing your thing. I love to give a shout out to our guest editors, okay? Our guest editors, because we got more than one. We got two. We got the old-timer Lamisa Chowdhury, and we also got Naomi Rista. Jazakallah khair for all the beautiful things that you added to this episode. You guys really did your thing, mashallah. I also love to give a shout-out to our graphic designer, Wasima Fada, our project manager, Maheen Khan, girl. 
And our sound designer, Yusuf Dawazu, you did your thing. Phenomenal as always. And our marketing extraordinaire, Sosin Abdullahi. So yeah, there you go, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode. I will see you guys, as always, next week in your ears, in your speakers, telling you a good story. If you enjoyed today's episode, know that tons of hours, blood, sweat, tears have gone into it. In fact, we have a whole new team of writers, producers, project managers. I mean, it's a whole new team. This means that donations and support to help us keep going really goes a long way. If you can't donate, then we appreciate your du'as, messages, and kind words. All right, guys, before you leave, I have one more thing to tell you, okay? This is a big deal, so really listen up. Now, after every episode drop, you will have, okay, listen up, special access to behind-the-scenes content, which now includes extended interview cuts, notes from the producer, and all of the archival content we didn't get to include in the episode. Imagine that. After the show is now live and exclusively on iTunes. The episodes will drop after every new episode on Friday. So go, go subscribe right now. Get access for free through an Apple Podcast subscription or by subscribing for $1.99 USD monthly and annually for only $3.99 USD. Sign off, guys. It's going to be amazing.